0: To conspiracy fears and mysteries And I'm your host Ralphie Coming at you once again On this 4th of July weekend Um, Good 4th of July or happy 4th of July I don't even know what to say to people in that Happy 4th of July Good 4th of July I don't know So we're back to the coronavirus We kind of got off of it for a while Coronavirus went away for a minute, for like uh, two or three weeks or something, it was just gone. It was just like, hey, let's put it on pause real quick. Let's put the virus on pause and then bam, back to it. All right. I don't know, man, the media, man, you got the, 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 the media is a crazy animal. I'm going to tell you right now. So, of course, before we start, just know that here in Conspiracy Fears and Mysteries, there are things we're going to talk about that may be disturbing to some listeners, so listener discretion is advised. Please be an adult, and if you can't handle it, you're more than welcome to not listen. It is your prerogative to not listen. You don't have to hear anything crazy. You know that we talk about a lot of stuff here, murder cases and stuff, and I might say something gory, and it will it can bother you for whatever the reason. I don't know what the reason would, you know, it's not my... Uh, business, but it is your business to know not to listen to this if it's going to bother you, which you have the complete right to not listen to. But anyway, today we're going to talk about ten bizarre murder cases no one can explain. And I, I, you know, I just found this. I actually, I only read a little bit of it, uh, and I found this article. Is by Cato Conroy. It was written two years ago in fact or fiction. It's, and it's called 10 Bizarre Murder Cases No One Can Explain. And um, I was going to do another case, but this one kind of caught me because I, I found myself like diving into it and being so intrigued by it because just like it says here, and it'll explain when I read this, why we're so intrigued or that just people love being intrigued by mystery murder mayhem and all that stuff so let's go ahead and look at this and see what we got here so from the person who died inside of a locked room with no exit to the two people who died with a mask on their face these bizarre murder cases no one can explain will leave people scratching their heads and people love to listen to stuff like this humanity has a natural knack for the macabre People love talking about murder and mayhem and solving whodunits as soon as they hear about them. That's what makes the best true crime books of 2018, this was written two years ago, so fascinating. And what makes people love to read about the most famous serial killers in history. I don't like to read about the famous ones. I like to read about the ones we don't know about. There's a lot we don't know about, and it's scary how many there are. You'll probably never run out of killers. Most murders that have happened eventually get solved, whether due to sheer luck, a confession, or excellent teamwork by a crew of savvy detectives. Some, however, don't, and we know that because we have cold cases. Whether it's due to serial killers that were never caught or evidence that just baffles everyone who examines the case, there are a handful of murder cases that no one can explain away by normal reasons. And today we're going to talk about some of the chilling ones that we've found. And perhaps one of the most famous murder cases no one can explain comes in the form of a meme before the time of memes. Everybody loves a meme, apparently, and they base their life off memes nowadays. In 1943, some boys were wandering around the British countryside when they noticed a hollow tree that they wanted to climb, as children do, or they should do, not play real games all day. They approached the tree, and then they noticed hair, poking out of the like the holes of the trees on the side. Upon closer inspection, they found a skull, hair, and teeth jutting out of the center of the tree. And it was the body of a dead woman stuffed inside. Though delayed going to the police out of fear of getting caught trespassing, one eventually did, and police found the body exactly where it was left and performed an investigation. What they found was that it was a woman who had been smothered to, uh, to death. She, they, They suffocated her. Then placed inside the elm. No leads were found, and the case almost immediately went cold. They called the body Bella. After a year or two, people started to graffiti who put Bella in the witch elm. Throughout England, eventually it morphed into a graffiti meme that lashed. I'm sorry, that lasted well into the 1970s. The case was never solved, and sadly, it seems Bella gained more fame in death than in life. Hmm. So that's wow. Uh, I do remember. I do remember reading about that. Um, I was actually gonna do an episode. Uh. BuzzFeed Unsolved has a video on it. They they did a video. You go check that out. I was going to do an episode on, the, on that one. I didn't read too much into it. I just kind of read a synopsis of it, kind of what we read now, uh, a couple of months ago. So the next one is Jack the Ripper. By, Jack the Ripper might be one of the most elusive criminals of all time, one of the few who hand-wrote letters taunting police as a serial killer. Uh, and one of the most famous serial killers that was... Never caught. There's a lot of conspiracies on who is Jack the Ripper, who he was, and there's certain people who claim to that they they were him and everything. But you know, everybody wants their fifteen minutes of fame. During the turn of the last century, women of of uh, of ill repute, meaning you know, not the the elite or the, like the most uh, the. You know, the not the elite of society, kind of the maybe the lower class. I hate to call people by class, but women of ill repute were being found dead in the street, street walkers, hookers, prostitutes. Many of them had organs removed with surgical precision, having been raped shortly before they were murdered. Altogether, there were five women who were killed by this monster. Uh, every single victim had their throat slash seemingly ripped open by a knife the women the women were chosen because they were heavy drinkers and ladies of the night making them easy targets in a society that in a society that never paid attention to them the killings eventually stopped but the killer ran free to this day no one knows who Jack the Ripper was and that was a long time ago um so yeah I'm sure he's dead right now William Desmond Taylor was one of the most popular Hollywood actors and movie producers of the 1910s and 1920s. This is the next one, by the way, guys. I'm sorry, I I ran right into this one. Not only was he absurdly successful in his career, but everyone seemed to like his mellow, affable nature. No No one can only imagine the shock and horror that rippled through Hollywood when he was found dead at his apartment. A doctor who was part of the crowd that found him claimed he died of a swollen stomach. That's really weird. The doctor was never, never, ever again seen. And uh, after that declaration, nor was his name obtained. So a mysterious doctor appeared, but then nobody, he just disappeared out of nowhere. A bullet was found in Taylor's back shortly after the strange man left the scene, proving that it was definitely not the natural causes ascertained by the stranger. One might think that the murder was done as a part of a botched robbery, but that was not the case. Every last item in Taylor's apartment remained untouched, including his cash and his jewelry. And oddly enough, Taylor showed his accountant a large sum of money the day prior. That money was nowhere to be found, and it's uncertain who may have taken it. Taylor himself was known for having memory problems, often suffering severe memory lapses that would leave him wandering around Hollywood in a daze. Could it have been someone who used his memory issues to get into his home and rob him? No. Uh, well, I believe that's a possibility. That 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 could be. Police had identified around a dozen suspects but we're told to lay off the investigation after tabloids went berserk. To date, no one knows who killed Hollywood's favorite actor. Crazy. Now, the next one I is a very famous one, very famous one. Um most probably most people who listen to this cuz my demographic for this is around 30 to 45 to 50 years old, so to for this podcast. So in the nineties, JonBenét Ramsey was one of the biggest names in the beauty pageant circuit. The tiny young girl was a beauty queen who had talent, golden hair, beautiful smile, and winning personality that could have carried her into stardom as she got older with listen uh with these things with kids, man, you gotta be careful like you know I have a daughter and stuff like this and our sons, but I wouldn't i like You've got to be careful, man, especially with these beauty pageant things, you know, and, and, and it's for boys and girls. It's not just girls because, you know, you got a lot of pedos out there, weirdos, you know, you're putting them out there in society, especially now with all the Internet and, you know, and social media. It's easy for them to get a hold of them. You know what I'm saying? She had a fine family, too. Her father, John Ramsey, was a well-respected and well-paid businessman in Boulder, Colorado. Her mother, Patty. Has a, um, was always looking her best. One of these upscaly people. Her brother was popular in school and generally well liked. So nothing strange there. But normally, when a family is too perfect, normally when you see too much perfection, oh, these people never fight. They have when there's too much perfection, like oh, the picture perfect. Once you add the word perfect, there's a problem. Trust me. So then uh, in December of 1996, John Bonnet was found to be missing. The parents had found a ransom note asking for $118,000 in cash for the return of the little girl. Patsy Ramsey called 911 to report the missing beauty queen. John Binet was found dead in her basement hours later, covered in trauma marks. She had been asphyxiated, tied up, gagged, and beaten to death, all while family members slept. In their upper class, Colorado home. Now, this is one of those cases that has a lot of debate. You got half the people saying no, it wasn't the parents. Half the people saying it was the parents. Um, and I kind of compare this. I kind of compare this to the uh, Casey Anthony case. You know, Casey Anthony was an upper scale, or whatever, but um. The case, as far as when you look at it, right? With Casey Anthony, it's kind of like, okay, wait a minute. You waited thirty days to call. You came up with millions of lies off the bat, like this, this. You know what I mean? Um, you you were just dumb. She, I mean, <laughs> wasn't that dumb because she got the right lawyer? But uh, she was just stupid in thinking that. It was just going to be cut and dry that she didn't do it because she said, oh, no, I left it. With, you know, that's Casey Anthony. But in this one, I, you know, I'm. And I got to say, and this may rub people the wrong way. I don't I don't know. That these parents who are supposedly. You know, and if you're upper class, if you got a job, like you do a good business, that means you got some kind of a head. You know that means you got you. You may you may have a little bit of intelligence, maybe. And most businessmen have street smart. If you, if you got some kind of smarts, you. I don't think you would imagine that you call and say your kid is missing, and that the police are not going to search your house. So, if they did kill this young child, um. Why would they think police would not check the basement like would not check up and down that house even for clues? Why would they think that 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 police would not do that? I'm sure they knew they would, and they were like, "Yeah, go ahead check, and they was like, "What the hell you know, but I don't know, I don't know i you know I saw the case when I was young, I've never talked about that case on my podcast um just because, I don't know, I just, it, I've never talked, it's been talked about so much. But anyway, John Bonet was found dead in her basement hours later, covered in trauma marks. So, attention immediately turned to the Ramsey family, with tabloids constantly begging the question of who killed the little girl. As more and more evidence piled up, more and more questions arose, and quickly turned the case into one of the few 90s murders cases with no that no one can explain. Um, and some of the mo- some of the strange aspects of this case were like, how did the family sleep through her murder? You know what I mean? Like, how did nobody hear anything? Like I said, I, I don't, I don't know if it was the the parents, and this is true. How did nobody nobody heard anything? You know, you you have to look at both sides. You have to look. You have to it. You have to step outside the box. Step outside your feelings, because a lot of people react with their own personal feelings and that's where they fail and everything they say just sounds crazy because you can tell when somebody's when somebody's uh reacting to a situation just straight off feelings and not really looking at the bigger picture and there's some people that just most people most of us cannot be detectives most of most of us would probably wouldn't make it as cops and that's why we're not doing it you know um but Anyway, why were police sluggish about taping off the scene of the crime? When Jamini's family discovered her, the police didn't immediately tape off the the home. This allowed friends and families to continue to wonder about the area, thereby compromising the crime scene investigation. Well, these are uppity, scaly people, you know, not making fun of people who have money because if you earned your money, you earned it. There's nothing wrong with you being upscale if if you worked for it, man. There's nothing wrong with that. We've turned that into an evil where, you know, we've turned that we've turned that in society as, oh, he's got money. He's evil. Well, if he worked for the money, then why are you hating? <laughs> we just we've turned into haters that disguise ourselves as some, you know, uh, oh, we are we are so right. We are we, we are the we are the. We are the, uh, you know, the right of society, you know, because we think that those rich people are bad. Even though that's, I think I'm talking like the rich person. But anyway, (laughs) and what was up with the ransom note? The ransom note was long, baffling, and asked for the same amount that John Ramsey's bonus had added up to. So, dang, he got $118,000 bonus? See what I'm saying? Anyway, when suspects were given handwriting tests, John's handwriting came up negative. Patsy's came up inconclusive. Jesus, investigators were also wondered why a ransom note was written on a paper that came from the Ramses household, and why anyone would bother considering that John Bernay would be dead in a matter of hours. The DNA evidence didn't match anyone in the house. The DNA evidence collected didn't match the parents, the family, friends, or housekeepers. So who was it? You know what I mean? So. It's one of those cases, man Like with Casey Anthony It was a totally different thing, man To Casey Anthony It was cut and dry But I don't know how her lo- Listen I don't even want to get into her Because I actually Seen her in person I was actually one of the officers uh, That was in the That worked the jail When she was there I was I had um, A lot of my Female officer friends Were the ones who actually handled her You know, her her movements and everything, watched her, I watched her for a little bit, but it was a real, it was real, she was, I hate to call her VIP, but she was i a, a uh, I'm sorry, high profile inmate, so it was a lot of um, operating procedures that had to be put in place when you, when a male watched her, but anyway, and um. so, that was John Bonet, that's crazy, so, anyway, next one. When people check into a, into hotel rooms, there's really not much of a mystery going on with them. They present their IDs, pay with a card, do their thing, then they leave, right? So, at the hotel president in Kansas City, Dinks took a turn for the strange. A man who called himself Roland T. Owen checked in. He had brown hair, a scar, and a cauliflower ear. The, if you don't know what cauliflower ear, just look at people who fight. Fighters, boxers, and... MMA guys, you'll see a couple cauliflower ears there. Suggesting that the alleged Los Angeles native may have been some in some fights in his day. He had no luggage, no, just a comb, a toothbrush, and a hairbrush. Then things got weird. The maid stopped by his room, room 1046, to clean it. He seemed agitated. He shut the blinds quickly, paced around, and said he was waiting for a friend. Soon after, a note appeared on the door saying uh, Donna will be back in 15 minutes. Wait. Then he stayed inside. The morning after, the door was locked from the inside. Maids asked him if he wanted to eat. Through the telephone, Owen replied that he didn't want breakfast and that he had already ate, despite not ever leaving his room. A motorist by the name of Robert Lane later picked up a man sharing Owen's description. Owen had told him that he was about to kill someone. Soon after, Owen was found lying in a pool of his own blood in room 1046. Surprisingly, he was conscious when he was found. It was clear he was tortured and that he didn't have much time left on this earth. When asked who did this to him, he replied with one word, nobody. It was later revealed that Owen didn't exist, that a mysterious woman sent flowers to his grave and that his real name was Artemis Ogletree. No one came forth. Forth with any more information about Owen and what he was doing in the room to date. The this remains one of the most bizarre murder cases that no one can explain. Maybe it was the mafia, um, maybe that's why he was so agitated. Nobody knows what happened. Whoo, that's cr- that's that's pretty crazy. So the next one is Texarkana. In Texarkana, this one is uh. And and Texarkana, I don't know where that is. Wait, Texas. Oh, Texas. Arkansas. <laughs> That's the Texas-Arkansas border, guys. So Texarkana was a small, sleepy town that had a reputation for being safe, sitting on the Texas-Arkansas border. Then a string of viciously violent attacks struck shockwaves through the town's collective psyche. Around five people were killed in a 10-week span. Some of the women were sexually molested. Some of the men were beaten. The attacker or attackers all seemed to vanish into thin air, earning the name the Phantom Killer. The attacker was always described the same way, a man with a white sheet for a mask and holes cut out for eyes, and no other details were ever found. Just as quickly as the attacks happened, they ended. No one knows why they happened or who caused the killings to occur. One lead suggests that a man by the name of Yoel Sweeney did it, and his wife even claimed he did. However, the story has been recanted, and Sweeney died in '94, taking whatever secrets he may have had with him to the grave. Blair Adams was once a very paranoid man. Uh, The man began to get increasingly agitated and nervous as he grew older, claiming that someone was trying to kill him despite living a pretty normal life. Oh, this is another story. I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry, back to Sweeney died in 94. So, he died and he took the stuff to the grave. Nobody knows who killed. So, again, Blair Adams was once a very paranoid man. Um, He began to get increasingly agitated and nervous as he grew older, claiming that someone was trying to kill him despite living a pretty normal life. And due to the mood swings he was having, people assumed that Blair was suffering from mental illness and that he was a man on the verge of a meltdown and no one ever believed him, of course. One hot day in the early in early July of 90, oh, I'm sorry, of nineteen sixty-six, Adams took out the majority of his money from the bank account. He then took jewelry with him and he tried to cross the border from America to Canada. He was assumed to be a drug mule and was turned away. He then bought a ticket to Germany that he didn't use. Rather, he chose to go to Seattle. He then hopped on a plane and took him to DC. Then he rented a car to go to Knoxville. That's a lot of moving. Sometime around 3 a.m., someone bludgeoned him to death with a club, proving that someone was, in fact, out to get him. Who, why, and how he knew of, this remains to be seen. And I think these cases like this, um, even the one before, is so they're almost impossible to solve when there is randomness. When somebody just chooses to say, you know what, I'm going to go kill someone and just randomness just random i'm just i'm just going to kill somebody it is hard to solve those cases it is easier to solve a case of oh this guy hated him because he cheated with him with his wife or cheated on him with his wife or he did this or he did that when there's a reason when there's a motive and opportunity it's easy when there's no motive and just when there's just either but not the other it's hard it's harder. So many murder cases no one can explain have one thing in common. They're cold cases that involved unidentified victims. In the case of the submerged Beach Man, the John Doe in question was a very well-dressed 40-year-old man with strange features like wedge-shaped toes, muscular calves, and pinpoint pupils. According to forensic investigators, it's possible that he may have worn high heels on a regular basis due to the nature of his build. That however. Doesn't explain why he was found. As a dead body on the beach. An autopsy showed. That he had a lot of blood. In his stomach. Suggesting poisoning. Yet no poison was found. In his system. The man's waist pocket. Had a small scrape of paper. That read. Tame and shod. Persian for. Persian for it's done. Police find a bizarre code. In the. On the page written in invisible ink, I, I remember this case, with a message that remains indecipherable to this day. The paper itself came from a rare edition of a 12th century book called The Rabiata. Later on, after the war, another man's body with a copy of the book was found in similar condition. When police traced the book, uh, they found out something equally bizarre. The book was traced to a story in Australia where the bookseller had some interesting news. Only five editions of the book were published. The one they held claimed to be the seventh edition. So who was this man? And, who, and how did he get his hands on this book that didn't exist? And how did he die? You know what I mean? So, again, it's like when it's just things being thrown out there, it is almost impossible to solve these mysteries so imagine being a parent to a young child that goes missing when do you want someone to find him or someone to know who you're looking for in the case of little ford fonteleroy that didn't really happen at all in 1921 people found a young boy's body lying out of a lot, lying out by a pond near a factory in Waukesha county wisconsin the boy was well dressed clean and seemed to have died fairly recently, an alarm was quickly sounded and police begged locals for any information who could have on the boy's identity. No one came forth and due to the boy's resemblance to a character in a popular storybook, they began to call him little boy, little Lord Fount Leroy. Soon after, um, a very distraught woman and a male escort came by the pond asking if they had seen a young boy. They got no answers and they were never seen or heard from again. The unidentified boy was given a funeral that was paid for by a local woman named Minnie Conrad. After his public burial, a woman was seen visiting the gravesite, clearly grieving while wearing a veil that hit her face. Examiners believe that the boy may uh, be Homer L- LeMay, who died in a car accident around the same time the boy was found. However, Homer's parents claim that their son died in a car accident in South America despite no record of the accident ever being found. So what happened here? And who was this boy? Nobody knows. And I think we got the... Oh, man. And the last one here is the Lady of the Dunes. Lady of the Dunes. So the Lady of the Dunes is one of the more grisly murder cases that no one can explain. So this one actually makes you wonder... (laughs) I'm sorry. This one actually makes you wonder what could cause something like this to happen. Uh, and I, I w- <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I laughed. I Think it was out of shock. I was, I was thinking of something. I have ADD. I'm, I'm not laughing at people dying or anything. But <laughs> out near Race Point Dunes, a woman's body was found on the side of the road. Her auburn hair sprawled out as if she was tossed by a, from a car. Both her hands and her forearm were missing. Uh, her bandana and her Wrangler jeans were found underneath her head. Two of the teeth were missing and her body was clearly sexually assaulted after she was killed. Post-mortem. That's... Man. Though it was nearly... Though it was never... It has never been totally confirmed. People believe her to be an escaped convict by the name of Rory Jean Kissinger, a bank robber who was never caught by police. Another potentially was a gun mole who hung out with mobster whitey bulger a man known for removing victim's teeth no one knows who killed her and no one knows why all we can hope is that she finally found rest so these were 10 unsolved murders and there's a lot of commonality in this when it's kind of random um you know it's kind of random there's really no motive like uh you know with, with the jabane one again to bring it up i hate that, i hate that case but to bring it up is you know i guess the motive would be money but um you know it's still it's kind of like a it's kind of a weak motive um they act for 118,000 which normally people I mean, you never know what they could ask for. I'm, you know, I would say they'd ask for more. I don't know why they would just ask for that specific amount. You know, like they said, that's very specific. Normally, they say, hey give me a million dollars. They really, they kind of, uh, they kind of round up to the nearest tenth or hundredths or millions, whatever. Um, but I don't know. It's just a lot of things. But a lot of these cases are random. Uh, bizarre, especially the longer that you have a suspect or a body just chilling there, just not doing anything. The harder it is to for you to actually solve this case. You know what I'm saying? The harder it is. So the longer it stays. And I know we watch, you know, you watch shows like Forensic Files and all that things. And you, and you think to yourself, man, you can't get away with anything. They, they, they solve everything so fast. You know what I mean? Everything is just solved really quick. Right? But that's not the case. You know what I mean? That's not the case. There's a lot of things that go unsolved. But anyway, guys. That is all I have for you this week. We'll have more. Conspiracy fears and mystery CFM. CFM, follow the CFM podcast. And follow me on Twitter at CFM underscore podcast. CFM underscore podcast on the Twitter. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Mystery Crime Cigar or C. F. Mysteries, C.F. Mysteries, and as always, I will see you on the next smoke.